Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Grace and peace be with everybody. This is Nijitsi uh, Hawkins. Uh, I have with me David Chandler. This is uh, Freestyle Fridays, and uh, we just want to welcome everybody uh, who's here and <clears throat> And I just want to thank everybody who uh, listens to these uh, audios afterwards. And, uh, you know, give us give us your support. Uh, look us up on at Prophecy Watch. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, at Prophecy Watch uh, on Facebook. And, uh, you know, let us know what you think about the uh, shows and about the uh, page and things of that nature. Um, Dave, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? You got anything you want to say? Uh, yes. Uh, my name is David Chandler, and um, I'm thankful that uh, the Lord has uh, given us an opportunity to um, do these uh, recordings, well, to participate in these re- uh, recordings, and not only that, but to spread God's word and to warn others of, especially other true brethren in the uh, in Christians, about false, you know, concerning false teachings, false doctrine, and uh, <clears throat> so I'm thankful for being here and uh, just ready to uh, continue on with whatever God has us to do. Amen. All right, so uh, with that said, again, this is Freestyle Fridays, and uh, we're pretty much just freestyle. And so whatever it is that's going on in the world, we try to talk about it, bring it to the table, and uh, look at it from a biblical perspective. Also, uh, well, of course, a a prophetic or a a perspective from prophecy as to exactly what's going on in this world and how do we recognize these signs. Um, So I had already had uh, an article pulled up, and uh, I want to read it in a second here. Of course, this uh, this this is in Syria. Syrian mother, Islamic State, baked Christians, needed children in bakery machines. And this is from the uh, Britbart website. Why, first of all, why, like, why, why is it that our media is so quiet about this? I mean, it is, it is, it astounds me as to why our media is completely silent 
about what's going on. They're more worried about what Trump has said. They're more worried about the elections. Well, the elections are very important. But, you know, I hear more about Miley Ray Cyrus. She wanting to leave America if Trump is uh, elected president. Girl, bye. Hmm. <laughs> Peace out. Hmm. You know, my, my, you know, my daughter used to watch her. That uh, what they call it? Uh, I forgot the name of the show, but she used to watch her. Thank God she didn't take after her. But uh, let me read the article here. A Syrian Christian mother shared her story of escaping the Islamic State terrorist group in the suburb of Damascus while losing her son. George, or losing her son, George, after he refused to identify himself to the terrorist by a Muslim name. The woman, Alice Asaf, said that she had heard that her son, who was beaten and shot to death, was spared a much worse fate, being baked in the ovens of the local bakery or kneaded to death in the bakery industrial-sized mixer. Okay, so... These men put children inside of a industrial size machine. Now, I don't know if you ever seen how your grandmother used to put flour, eggs, and milk into this silver bowl, and the machine goes round and round and round. Now imagine one that's in an industrial size and children inside of it. He continues, a staff told her story to Rose of Success, a human rights NGO with the focus on the rights of women and Christians in the Middle East. The group has proved testimony of the plight of Christians and Yazidis persecuted by the Islamic State to the House Foreign Relations Committee and regularly publishes video interviews with ISIS attack survivors. It's horrible, man. So here's my thing, Dave, and you know what I'm saying? We already talked about this. Mm-hmm. If Hillary is elected, I believe it's going to be we're going to see stuff, not, not probably not as gruesome, but I can almost say that I'm sure that with the borders being open, that we're going to see ISIS here in America. What's your take on it? Well, I do believe that her and, and, and Obama um, are trying to get the borders and as a matter of fact, they have, you know, this is why you have so much crime, a lot of our, uh, a lot of diseases that have been eradicated 50 years ago are beginning to make a comeback. Uh, but I do believe that. As a matter of fact, we're seeing that now in Dearborn, Michigan, where Sharia law has been enacted. Huh? And it, yeah, in Dearborn, Michigan. Oh, okay, okay. I was thinking he was saying Philadelphia. Go ahead. No, no, not in Philly yet, but uh, in Dearborn, Michigan, 
we have the uh, Sharia law enacted. And, of course, for those that don't know what that is, it's to, it pretty much makes honor killing legal, as if, it, you know, it, it's, of course, it's not legal here in the United States for a Muslim family to kill their daughter for not adhering to their rules and regulations, especially when it comes to social mores. But that makes it legal in Dearborn, Michigan. So we're slowly but surely losing our rights, and Islam is becoming something that, you know, Islam is beginning to move in to our, into the culture, into the Western world. Right. But um, to to uh, and I'm going to say this also. Um, the FBI has re- they're, they're working on reinvestigating those emails that Hillary Clinton sent out when she was Secretary of State. Oh, that's if, right. Yeah, so I saw that. Uh, real quick, we got Northern Virginia. Uh, please introduce yourself. Welcome to the show. Hello. 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 Oh, hi, it's Akia. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Hi. Well, thanks for uh, calling in. Uh, yeah, we literally just got started and uh, talking about. Well, not. We just. I just went over an article about the children, uh, the Christ- Christians and children in uh, Syria, the ISIS. Uh, ISIS forces took children and placed them in a, uh, let's just say, a industrialized-sized blender and killed over, I think it was 300, 300 children. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so in, in regards to ISIS and knowing that ISIS is an Islamic terrorist group. Some people will call them uh, radicalized, but I think they are going by the Quran in the most literal way possible because that's exactly what the Quran teaches. Yeah. Uh, that's to all infidels. And and before you go on, Titi, I want to uh, point this out real quick. For those of you that believe that Islam is a religion of peace. It isn't. Um, But there is a catch-22 to that. Uh, If you look at the the Nation of Islam, they do not follow the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. They don't follow the teachings of the Quran either. Well, they do follow the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. I'm sorry. But they don't follow the teachings of the Quran. I've met plenty of Muslims. As a matter of fact, I've had conversations with them and they don't follow the, the Quran at all. What they do follow is um, Elijah Muhammad. Now, there are some... Uh, now, here's the thing. A lot of radical um, Muslims will tell you that Elijah Muhammad was a heretic, and Malcolm X deserved what he got. And... Um, no, no, I'm sorry. The black uh, Muslims... Are, are going to say that Elijah Muhammad was a heretic, and uh, Malcolm X was a uh, deserved what he what he got coming to him. Uh, as a matter of fact, 
Louis Farrakhan said that Elijah, uh, that um, uh, what's his name, uh, Malcolm X was, uh, you know, he he deserved what he got, and or he deserved to be killed. Now, some of the uh, radical Muslims, they follow, or most of them anyway, they follow the the exact teachings of Muhammad in the in the uh, the book of in the, the Quran and that's why including honor killings which if anybody is familiar with the Quran honor killings are basically this that if your daughter wraps herself in western culture by i.e. marrying someone that's not a muslim then she deserves to get killed and so this they, is usually, what, they usually uh, do it by beheading. Yeah, they, they usually behead their... Some some of them get shot now, but, you know, usually it's by beheading. They get beheaded. But now um, it's usually, you know, I get behind a car and run the, the, the daughter over. Or you get hacked to death. You get shot. You get strangled. And um, the, the, court, the court system here in the United States, of course, that's murder, but... In their countries, wherever whatever countries are uh, Muslim controlled, they believe that um, it, this is legal and this is uh, provides honor to the family. That's why it's called an honor killing. Right. But go so ahead, what we, I'm sorry. Yeah. So what? So what we're getting at is that, or well, where I was going with it, is that this is not this election. It's not really about Democrat versus Republican or independents, libertarians. This election is seriously about the future of America, of, of America's survival. America's survival is on the line. And this is not, this is not the typical elections that we've had in the past where you have uh, you have Democrat versus Republican. They curse each other out, and then one of them get elected. Democrat gets elected, and then they go back to being friends. Mm-hmm. Eight years later, you got a Republican put in, and then you know the whole process starts all over again. All Republican hates Democrats, and Democrats hate Republicans. And then after the elections, it goes away and. Everybody's all friends again, hugging. I mean, look at George Bush, George Bush and uh, 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 Obama. I mean, they be hugged up all the time when in these pitches. So, but now you have somebody, you have somebody who is not a part of the clandestine secret society. I've done my homework. I've looked everywhere to see if this man, Trump, was part of some type of uh, secret society or nothing. All that I could find was that his father was a pimp. And, yeah, that's bad. But we as Christians don't put our faith in man. But we have to use our common sense. Look at the direction the country is going in. In the last eight years, in the last eight years, look how far this country has separated itself from God. I've said it so many times that this country 
is under judgment. And with each passing day, with each passing month, and with each passing year, it manifests. I mean, now I'm, I mean, think, let's think to ourselves. Let's think to ourselves. When did it become okay for a man or himself a girl or a woman and end up in a public bathroom with women? When did it become okay? How how was that okay? There's something going on in the mindset of Americans. And, uh, Dave, you're pretty good in this area when we talk about the liberal the liberal mindset and how this philosophy was spread into the American society, pretty much dumbing down Americans to accept this type of behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, the worst part about it, and, I, and I'm not holding back, the worst part about it is you have Christians who vote these people in who hold to these type of doctrines or hold to this type of behavior. They, love, they, they, they say they, you know, they wouldn't do it. You know, I remember uh, Barack saying that, you know, personally he doesn't believe in uh, same-sex marriage, but who is he to deny this person uh, companionship with the I mean, I'm thinking like, look, they can still be hugged up. They ain't got to call it marriage. God hmm. created that. God created that. But look what happened. First, we started seeing, and uh, my wife even was like, man, she was like, she's like, honey, if they are already trying to soften, soften our minds up against homosexuality, how much further do you think they would go? I got a feeling that they're going to be trying to uh, soften our minds up or condition us to accept pedophilia. Yeah, you know what? Your your wife was telling me about that a while ago, that the world is being slowly but surely uh, being softened or being prepped to accept pedophilia. And we're seeing this now. How many people... In America, I'm talking about here in America, on, ter- on, on in, in Western society, you know, uh, teachers being arrested for uh, pedophilia. You, you had a young white teacher uh, that was arrested for having sexual relations with two boys. Uh, you had Mary J. You had Mary Letourneau. Uh, you had um, countless others like. That one teacher that was um, somewhere, I think she was here in, in Bucks County somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, either they're killing their children or they're sleeping with them. So you have to realize, and that brings me to a scripture in first. I think it's in, where's my Bible? I think it's in uh, First Timothy chapter 3. No, I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to start here at verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous or dangerous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Now note the, the third verse. 
without natural affection. Oh, yeah. Stop right there. Because, you know, people that sleep with children, people that kill children, are without natural affection. Otherwise, they're psychopaths. Right. So uh, I, I think that that should be noted, and and I'm, I'm glad Evelyn brought the, your wife brought that up because it's strange how we're being prepped because these images are being constantly fed into American television: children having sex with adults, um, children being murdered by their adults. Look at what, look at what happened to John Benet Jean Benet Ramsey. We never found out what happened to her, even though I believe that the parents had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. But you look at uh, Jean-Benet Ramsey, and uh, they're still trying to figure out what happened to her, whether the parents killed her or whether uh, a relative in the family probably broke into the house and killed her. And and, and I think she was a, a sacrifice because, again, uh, Satanists, you know, they sacrifice children. And the reason why that is is because, or Luciferians, anyway, and the reason why that is is because there is power in undefiled blood or purified or innocent blood. You look at... Yeah, that's what uh, they believe. Yeah, that's exactly what they believe in. They believe that there's magical power in that. So you look at uh, some of your, uh, you know, look at the ancient Babylonians and the early portions of Scripture, the Old Testament um, you look at, uh, you know, uh, the Babylonians would, uh, in their service to Molech, um, they would take their children and put them on the idol's hands, and to, and then they would beat the drum, or they would play music, or they would uh, go through with their rituals to drown out the screams of the child or the baby. Children, yeah. So, I mean, check this out. Uh, In Africa, uh, Boko Haram, which is another, is a black Islamic uh, terrorist group uh, in Nigeria, you know how they went and kidnapped over 200 females, teenage girls, they went and kidnapped them. They believe, and actually... um, it's not. It's not just. It's not just uh, the Muslims there, but a, a lot of the men as well. Uh, they rape little girls at the ages, uh, you know, fifteen and below. Uh, mm-hmm. Some as some as young as six years old, and I'll get into to that in, in a second. Um, they rape them because they believe that they don't have HIV, and hmm. they believe. Yeah, they believe that by raping them, the purity of their virginity protects them from getting uh, HIV when they rape other women. That is and, sick, man. That That is yeah. really, really... Now, here's, again, you know what I'm saying? Still focused in on, on ISIS, who wants to promote Islam, and our political leaders who want to accept this barbaric religion. Um, Sharia law, you were talking about it earlier, allows a Muslim man, despite his age, to marry or constant or to marry a six 
year old child. She, mm-hmm. he is, he is allowed by their culture, by their religion, by their law, Sharia law. They are allowed to marry six-year-old girls. Six-year-old girls. They are allowed to consummate the marriage when they're nine years old. But looking at these men, these pedophiles, because that's what they are. I don't care what. I don't care what their culture, what their culture is, and what their culture says is backwards. This is the reason why the gospel went out throughout all the world to stop the abuse of children and women and mankind. Mhm. But like I said, they were allowed because Muhammad he took a wife named Aisha who was six years old. Mhm. As a matter of fact, uh, I've read, uh, and I can't remember where I read it at, but I, I've read where he saw he saw Aisha when she was as young as four. Right. And told her father that he wanted to marry her. And so when she turned six, he married her and waited three years later to consummate the marriage. Mm-hmm. So she was eight years old when they started sleeping with each other. Nine. She was nine. Nine. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Nine. She, she was nine years old when he, so that's three years later. He waited three years later and she consummated the marriage. But this goes on on a daily basis around the world. I mean... When you look at what's going on in Syria, they got sex slaves. They don't kill any of the men who wouldn't join them. If they was Christians, they killed them, crucified them. But, you know what, let me go to the scriptures real quick. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen five, he said, and whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Jesus cares about the little kids. I know we've heard that before. He does. He goes on, he says, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And every time I hear about these atrocities that take place with these kids, I have that righteous indignation towards Islam because of that. It hurts me to my heart to hear that these kids are suffering the way that they are. But, again, you know what I'm saying, we can't take we can't take the light off of America either because we don't see videos of kids being uh they either have uh a tox uh po- they they excuse me they've been poisoned by the 
radio the, the radioactive um, decay from the weapons and the bombs that we drop in in their countries. Uh, a lot of them getting killed indirectly. And there was one point in time where they were tar- they were targeted at a hospital, not just kids, but innocent, innocent people, uh, doctors without borders. They was there trying to help the Afghani people. And what happened? One of our planes, NATO, bombed that hospital. And so that's why I, I continuously, I can I can be patriotic, but I'm not blind to what our country has done. And so, again, this election, this election is very important because we have to look at what is going on, what is possibly taking place in this world, what is taking place in this world, and why it is so important that we make the right choice. And I'm not here to try and sway anybody. All I'm just saying is just look at what has been going on with our country in the last 20, 30 years. More of the same. More of the same. I posted a, a post. I put a post on my wall, uh, I think last week or a couple of weeks ago, and I can't remember a time in my life where this country was never at war. Hmm. All, I was born in 79. I don't remember much from 79 all the way up to 83. Uh, I remember Mount St. Helen blowing up. And that's a, that's, put that put that in your uh, <laughs> in your folder, your memory folder, because we're going to address that as well. Natural disasters that's possibly about to take place simultaneously uh, with what's coming here to America. Um, but from Mount St. Helen, I remember the spaceship blowing up. It's another sign. But as far as war is concerned, uh, the the Cold War was still going on, Gorbachev. Um, Then we headed up into uh, the Gulf War. And then some time after that, we were in uh, Crimea, messing with them. Then we ended up in Iraq again. I went to Iraq. And then it was, uh, well, it was Afghanistan, then Iraq, and we st- we still there. But um, we have to pay attention to what's going on. I, I'm t- I don't want to go to war anymore. I'm tired. I'm seriously tired. I don't want to go to war anymore. This country can't even afford to go to war anymore. We need to be focusing on what. Is good for America. Um, so you want to say something? Anybody want to say anything? Well, yeah. Um, I'm I'm just concerned about the, and and speaking of war, that we've been America has been involved in wars since the uh, Civil War, since the uh, Revolutionary War, and then you have. And I want to focus on the Civil War because that's what really 
uprooted a lot of the uh, the things that we're going through now. As a matter of fact, the uh, Civil War was um, a start of a what you call a paradigm shift, and uh, that, that particular phrase is multifaceted because when you have a paradigm shift or you have a change in in the way people think, the way people see the world, which is your philosophy, the way you see the world, uh, the way you um, value or the way you see politics, the political landscape, uh, I just want to focus on the spiritual aspect for, the, I guess, maybe the first part of, of my dissertation, if you will. Uh, the Civil War happened in around uh, around after like around 1850 somewhere around there, and then after that you had there was a paradigm shift, and what I mean by that I, I explained it, but you have a paradigm shift, and then after that you you, you had a what what we call liberalism, and the word liberalism is maybe multi pronged if that's a word, and uh, you have theological liberalism, and you had you have political liberalism. All of that kind of seeped in, began to seep into the culture because you had philosophers that were denying um, biblical truth. And so, since you had philosophers that were in, like for instance, the founding fathers, I, I keep hearing Christian preachers and pastors talk about how. The founding fathers were all Christians, and they believed in God in, of the Bible anyway, and they were quoting scriptures, and, and they would uh, you know, talk about that from the pulpit. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. If they were saved, then what's with all of those strange idols in, and all of those strange I, I, you know, iconography in Washington, like the monument, like the Washington Monument, um, the... Um, the, the you know the the place where um, Lincoln was was buried Abraham Lincoln was buried. I think they uh, call it uh, the Pantheon. The Pantheon. I think so. Yeah, because uh, it was it was uh, copied after the, the Greek version of the Pantheon. In other words, they personified George Washington as a god. Well, yeah. What's what's with that? That that's not in the Bible. We learn in Scripture that behind every idol, there's a demon. There's behind every false idol, there's a demonic spirit. So, what's with all those? What's with all that strange iconography in in Washington? What, what's going on down in New York, where you have the woman riding the beat? Well, that's not in New York. That's I forget where that is. I think that might be in Belgium or something like that. Where the, we have the woman. Yeah, this is an actual statue, by the way. You have the woman riding the beast. That's not scripture. Well, it is scripture, but it's not Christian. Right. So, all of the, and then you have all of these, if you really do your research, you have all of these so-called philosophers, these, the, the, the founding fathers that signed the, uh, the, 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 the Declaration of Independence in 1776, um, all of those people were in, involved in secret societies. Like, for instance, you had Benjamin Franklin, who was involved with the Hellfire Club. And then there are some historic Christian historians that believe that um, he was involved in another secret society called the Ordo 
Templi Orientis, or OTO, the same secret society that Aleister Crowley was involved in? Yeah, see, the thing is, and what, uh, what's his name, Benjamin Franklin, Hellfire Club, they found, uh, they found bones of children. Yeah. I mean, here, there it is again. You know what I'm saying? Like the sacrifice of children. Right, right. And see, that is in its most physical form of Molech, of worship of, of Baal and, and Molech. But indirectly, it's done when you have people like in Congress passing laws or avoiding passing laws to prevent the death of children in the mm-hmm. womb. Mm-hmm. That was Roe Ro v. Wade, 1973. And that was... A, a, a turning point in our um, in American history when they passed that law in the Supreme Court, allowing that uh, the, the murder of unborn children. I said to myself, "This is Babylon all over again," because this is what Satanists do. This is what occultists do. They believe that the murder of innocent children provides them with power. Right. And the Hellfire Club did the same thing. They found bones of, of, of dead children, dead babies buried underneath the foundation of the uh, place where they were doing their hellish rituals. And right. Benjamin Franklin was a part of this. But we right. look at these individuals like they're such, you know, they're great godly they men great, of God. They great leaders and all that. And, yeah, that's why I've abandoned the whole notion that the American founding fathers were Christians. Um, I won't say they were I, – I, I don't think they were Christians. It, you know, so you can't serve two masters. No. So, so with that being said, uh, there, was a, there was an agenda, and – but at the same time, it's like – it's hard to put my finger on it. Because I don't think all of them were uh, were aware of the ultimate destiny that the uh, Freemasons wanted to take, or I won't even say the Freemasons, because the Illuminati infiltrated the Freemasons of America, and that's how we were, uh, how we started going in the direction that we are now, and that's and that's what I'm talking about now, Dave. It's like this. The people, every single person who's been in office has been, what, a Freemason mm-hmm. or connected to it somehow, family or whatever. Mm-hmm. got to get away from them because they have a plan, and the plan is open borders, no sovereignty, get rid of the middle class, only have one or two classes of people, the rich and the very poor. That is, I mean, look at what happened to the middle class. The middle class has lost so many jobs. They have lost so much money. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, it's, and it's sad in the state that we are in. But like I said, this election is not about Democrat versus Republican. Mm-hmm. This is about America. Uh, and going back to what's going on in Syria, that's another thing that I'm worried about. Uh, 
what's going on in Syria could very much start happening here in America. But yeah, I wanna... it... oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, but but yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, and Barack Obama started all this, wanting to have all of these uh, Syrian refugees come over here, and and I used to always wonder, well, why is he trying to do? See, this is what it's all about. It, it, this is what I've been saying for for the past four years. It's it's corruption from within. It's not necessarily corruption from without. You know, Jesus right. said, it's not what comes out of a man that defiles him, it's what goes in. So it's always someone from within trying to, to destroy, because that's, that's the most effective way to do so. And, mm-hmm. and so this is what Barack Obama did when he passed all of those executive orders trying to break down our borders. When the Republicans tried to stop him, I guess some of them did, but, um, you know, they just decided, well, you know what, we're not going to say anything. We're just going to be complicit. We're going to be, um, you know, we're, we're going to remain silent because we don't want to be deemed as racists. So Obama was able to run amok. He was able, he and his minions were able to, to just do whatever they wanted because nobody wanted to stand up to him for fear of being a racist, for fear of being called a bigot, and this, and here we are. You know, right? I saw on uh, I saw on somebody's page. I'm not gonna say any names, where they were griping about Britain's choice to build a wall and to remove illegal immigrants from out of their out of their country, and they said, and when they left the European Union. They said that was they being racist because they don't want to uh, help the uh, refugees and things of that nature. Man, I can't tell you how upset I was, and but looking at it, I was like, I said, okay. I I, I responded. Well, I made I made I made my statement. I said, hey, look, Britain has the right to their own sovereignty. If they don't want illegals in their country, especially uh, illegals coming from countries like Syria, Iraq. Now, don't get me wrong. You have wonderful people from Iraq, wonderful people from Syria, lovely people. I've met a lot of people from Jordan, Egypt, Iraq, Afghanistan. I've met them face-to-face, talked with them, laughed with them. Very good people. But you mm-hmm. see, there's an ideology in those countries, they call it Islam, that religion, that teaches things that is contrary to civilized communities, that's contrary to a civilized uh, a civilized society. The way that women are treated, the way that ch- children are, ch- are treated, young men are are treated the same way. And unless you have a heavy hand in those countries, you're really not influencing anything. Unless you're going along with the Allah Akbar, you're going to be at the bottom of the barrel. And so when they leave their country and bring that ideology to other countries, they they just don't do it 
with a soapbox. It might start off that way at first. Right. But eventually it's going to turn into a, a kidnapping here, a rape here, a stabbing here, a stabbing there, a shooting here, a shooting there, a beheading there, a beheading here. Yep. Then a bomb there, a bomb here. It that's that is the nature of the beast. That's the nature of that ideology. That's what happens. So if Britain says they don't want that in there, they don't want that type of uh, bar barbarianism in their country. You can't be mad at them. Would you want somebody coming in your house doing that? Groping your children, raping yep. your sons and your daughters, forcing you to to uh, do all kinds of stuff, and if you fail to do it, you get beat with a cane, get your get your hand chopped off. Women get circumcised. Yeah. This and yep. and so, oh, uh, somebody gonna say something? Okay. Well, this is the thing. So, you know, and that's what I pretty much laid out in that uh, comment, you know. And we have to be careful because we have politicians who want that type of ideology to be spread here in America. I mean, yeah, sure, Obama can sit up there and and want to praise Islam and all this stuff. He's at the top of the pole, total pole for the most part. Compared to you and me, he ain't affected by it. His daughters, his his daughters, his wife, they ain't gotta walk around in public, uh, worried about if somebody's gonna walk up behind them and stab them or rape them. They ain't gotta worry about. It. They got secret services, and then on top of that, they wanna threaten to take our weapons. Mm-hmm. See, again, this this ideology. It's not this. Oh, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to bring it up later. I'm a, But I don't want to get too far. Uh, where, let's see. Where was I at? Uh, wanted to read something to you real quick. Real quick. I'm going to post it in here first. And it's about America. It's about America. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Read the book. Read the book. Don't get me started on he black Hebrew Israelites, please. Oh, uh, I won't. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring you your night. (laughs) All right, let me pull it up real quick. This is this is only in theory. This is from uh, Isaiah 18 verses one through two. Woe, woe to the land shadowing with wings which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, that sends its ambassadors by the sea, even in vessels of bulrushes upon the waters, saying, Go, ye swift messengers, to a nation scattered and peeled, to a people terrible from the beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but there's a few people in prophecy uh, who are students of prophecy who believe that is uh, talking about America 
because America basically does those things. Uh, it sends ambassadors out. As a matter of fact, there was an ambassador who was killed under the Obama watch, um, under Clinton's watch. And uh, what's the place he got killed, where he got killed at? Uh, Libya. He got killed in Libya. He was an ambassador. We send ambassadors all around the world. Our land is meted out. We have a scattered and pilled people. You know, we got people from every country in this in, in the world that that is here in America. Uh, some people are like, oh, we're like a, 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 a mixing bowl. No, I wouldn't say a mixing bowl because in a mixing bowl, everybody comes together and becomes one. Mm-hmm. But technically, we're actually like a salad bowl because there's so many different things in the bowl, lettuce, tomatoes, uh, cucumbers, cheese, whatever you want to put on your salad, we got it here in America. <laughs> but, and the reason why I brought that up is because there are other scriptures in the Bible that points to the destruction of the same place. Uh, some people believe that we're in Babylon. But if you go, if you read in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 9, now, I was, I was eating breakfast and I saw, I saw this news uh, report about Russia. The American government, uh, not, who was it? Uh, who was the vice president? Uh, help me out. Obama and Cheney? Is it, no, it's not Cheney. That's Bush. It's, it's uh, John. Is is Joe Biden? Biden, right? Obama, Biden, right? All right. So Biden said that America will react to any aggression Russia takes. I'm like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. America has been destroying its own weapons, destroying its own military. And pretty much our armies, our, our, our military is spread thin. Our financial, our economic system is about to crash. Do you honestly believe that we can afford to go into another war? I mean, and then on top of that, you have this social experiment that they're doing with the military, you know, and if there's women on the phone, uh, forgive me for my stance. Uh, I'm not a male chauvinist, uh, so please don't take it that way. My gripe with some of the uh, regulations that they have passed in the military is that the women are now allowed to go out on the front lines with with the men. Hmm. Now, I'm in the military. And throughout my military career, women can be a very uh, can be very distracting out in the field because mm-hmm. naturally they're not as strong as the men. So it takes a little more work for them. You have some who, yeah, they step up to the plate and they make it happen. Uh, but nevertheless, you still have a, a disadvantage there. Not only that, there's a rape epidemic. There's a rape epidemic. 
And a lot of women who have gone out to the field either ended up raped. And, uh, and there's one black female who ended up dead. And it was covered up. Hmm. So these are the, and I'm not blaming the women. I'm blaming the leadership because they place women in harm's way unnecessarily. You see what I'm saying? Right. So that's the point that I'm making. We have horrible leadership in this country. Mm-hmm. And let me go back and read this verse <clears throat> in regards to this. America, Babylon, or not. I think America serves as a as a uh, type of Babylon, but it doesn't serve the whole purpose. But let me just read here because I was going to read this uh, scripture because, like I was saying, I was I was eating breakfast and I saw that on the news, and I waved my hand at it, and then boom, it hit me! It hit me, and I thought about Jeremiah chapter fifty, verse nine, and it says here, "For lo." I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country, and they shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken. Their arrows shall be as a mighty expert man. None shall return in vain. I remember, and that's the end of the verse, but I remember a while back, in my Bible studies, that America can be seen here as a type of Babylon. And the nation, which is just north of us, is Canada, right? Right, right. But, now, at first I asked myself, you know what I'm saying, it can't be Canada. And then, uh, you know, if it was Canada... That that would try to invade America. I was like, no, nah, that's not possible. However, when I when I looked at the map, I looked at the globe, and you go straight north from America, you were you run directly into who? Russia. Mm-hmm. You run directly into Russia. And I said, wow. And when I thought about arrows. Some, I don't want to get into the whole, I don't want to get into speculations, but I do want the listeners to to try and reason within themselves on this hypothesis, okay? You have a man who is living in the first century A.D. God takes him into the future to see the destruction of, or what we call the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that he saw could very well be advanced technology that he couldn't really explain. For instance, when he said he saw the stars of heaven fall in Revelation. Matter of fact, let me pull that up, and I'm going to read it. It's in Revelation chapter 6. Uh, and this is when he, uh, let's see, I think this is when he opened the sixth seal. I'll find it real quick. If you got your Bibles, 
Go ahead and turn to it. Uh, Revelation chapter 6. Looking, looking, looking. Here it is right here. Okay. All right, so after, uh, all right. Now right here, the sixth seal. This is Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. I'm going to read it all the way down to 17 to the end. And I beheld when I, sorry, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the bends in the rocks of the mountains and said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, when Jesus Christ comes back, we definitely know that's exactly what's going to happen because that's what uh, Isaiah says, Jeremiah says, Daniel says, Ezekiel says practically the same thing. Woe unto you who seek for the day of the Lord. Is that day not full of darkness? But what I was getting at, is John is looking at the apocalypse, and he sees things. Now, again, this may be speculation, but I think it can apply safely because we do have nuclear weapons. When John said he saw the stars of heaven fall onto the earth, even as a fig tree casts her, un- her figs, her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. If you recall on the days when it rained during the springtime or the summertime and you go outside after it stops a major downpour and you running and your friends and y'all, you standing under a tree and then somebody comes and kicks the tree and nothing but rain drops, just water just drizzles down suddenly. That's, the scenario that John was looking at, but it's coming from heaven. These stars are coming from heaven. If anybody understands what a star is, the star, uh, one of our closest stars is the sun. Now, the sun is a hundred times larger than the earth. So if John saw the stars of heaven fall into the earth, if he saw any of those stars in heaven, if they were literal stars, the earth will be completely destroyed. There'd be nothing else for Jesus Christ to come back and take. Right. Everything would be gone. So we know he's not talking about literal stars. He has to be talking about something else that's shining in the sky and is hitting the earth. I have concluded to myself that it could be two possible things. It could be meteorites, 
or it can be comet, you know, meteorites or comets, or some type of debris from space, small, because anything that it, that enters into the Earth's atmosphere looks like a falling star. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it looks like. It could be that, and it, it may it may very well be that. Or, my friend, my friends, it could be missiles. Intercontinental ballistic missiles. Let me give you a quick uh, a quick explanation of how an intercontinental ballistic missile works. An intercontinental ballistic missile is just that. It's intercontinental, meaning they can fire it from anywhere in the world, and it can hit any continent that they choose. Not only that, it is it is loaded with over 10 to 20, sometimes uh, maybe more, but I know 10 to 20 nuclear warheads attached at the tip. And what they do, they shoot it from the surface of the earth, and it goes into outer space finds its target, and it releases those nuclear warheads for each individual target it wants to hit. So when John says he saw the stars of heaven fall, and if he was looking at missiles, intercontinental ballistic missiles, then it would explain that, whoa, He's looking at a series of nuclear missiles being fired across the world. No wonder, no wonder Peter says, and let me find it. I'll come back to this. Let me, was it Second Peter? I think it's Second Peter. Okay, nope. Uh, I think the first Peter, where he says, I don't want to give it away just yet. If anybody think they know where it's at, please feel free to speak out. But uh, let's see, where is it? Where is it? He says that this world is reserved fire. Second Peter 3, 7. And I'll read from three, actually I'll read from the beginning all the way down to three, seven, maybe a little bit past. Second Peter, chapter three, verse one. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord our Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world then, or the world that then was, being overflowed 
with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This world is going to be destroyed by fire. We have enough nuclear weapons, enough nuclear weapons to destroy the world a hundred thousand times over. That's how many nuclear weapons that we have. And our government is threatening Russia at this very moment. At this very moment. You can't be going around blaming Russia for hacking WikiLeaks or, or your emails. You know what? It, it might it might be a good thing that they that they did that if they doing it, if they're doing it. It might be a good thing because the American people have a chance to now say the proof is right here. Here's the proof. This is how she really is. This is how this is what her plans really are. They got a movie out there called Thirteen, and I mean, how can you associate Black Lives Matter with the Civil Rights Movement? How? They had a legitimate reason, a very legitimate reason, to fight against civil rights. Although I hate the outcome, because all it did was give the government more power. But they had a legitimate fight. But this right here, WikiLeaks leaked out. She paying people to go and cause trouble at the Trump rallies. Mm. What is going on in this world? And so, again, looking at Revelation, I ain't even done with that. So you got these nuclear warheads that they go out into outer space, find their targets, and enter back in. And it won't take it won't take a long time for them to hit their targets in America because guess what? All they have to do is come from the extreme north. I mean, that's all they have to do is target it northward. They don't have to fly it across the Atlantic. They can fly it completely across Canada. If it bypasses Canada, game over. Game over. Now, looking back at if it could be a, uh, a meteor or, or whatever, it can cause the same effect. Where he says that the sun was black as sackcloth, and he also said that the moon was red as blood. You got people out there that's saying that, oh, that's a that's an eclipse. No, my friend, that is not an eclipse. If he can see the moon and the moon is red and he can see the sun, that means that it's not an eclipse. Because if you can see the moon and the sun, sometimes the moon is out when the sun is out at the same time. If you can see the moon and the sun, it's not an eclipse. And, Dave, I think I already... Uh, we already talked about how lunar eclipses are created. Lunar eclipses are created when the 
shadow of the earth is blocking the sunlight to the moon. Right. But what happens what happens is that that red part of the light spectrum, like for instance, whenever you shine light through a prism, the light is broken up into its light spectrum. The only right. light that gets through the atmosphere is that red light, that mm-hmm. red spectrum, and it shines onto the moon. That's why and how you have a blood moon. Or a hunter's moon. Usually or, hunter's moons are... are yeah, like, or lunar eclipse. Mm-hmm. All right, so but he's looking at it, and his red is blood, and the sun is dark, is black as sackcloth. If you've seen video clips, matter of fact, when I was in Virginia last year, uh, there was a large wildfire, I think, somewhere close by. And what happened is that the smoke that was in the air blotted out some of the light of the of the moon, and the moon looked red. It wasn't until the moon rose over the horizon completely that, you know, it uh, the color, its regular color came back. But the reason why is because it was smoke coming from the ground. When John says that there was a great earthquake, the word earthquake there doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the fault lines underneath the earth are moving. It just literally means the shaking of the earth. Mm-hmm. I've lived I've lived in Fort Bragg or close to Fort Bragg, and when they do their little rounds of, of uh, uh, Bradleys or whatever, they're shooting uh, mortars and stuff, when they hit the ground, it, your house shakes. Ain't no fault lines in, ain't no fault lines in Rayford. Ain't no fault lines in uh, Fayetteville. That comes from the impact that it makes when it hits the ground. So when it hits the ground, it shakes. And once it shakes, uh, wherever that impact is, that dust goes up into the sky. But if these are nuclear weapons, well, even a even the contact, the impact of a of a of a meteor, well, a very large meteor, maybe one like the size of mountain, a small mountain or something, it can have an effect of an atomic blast. But when you just have a missile. A missile, when it hits the when it hits the earth, that dust goes up. And Paul said, I mean, Paul, but, uh, John said that the heavens rolled as a scroll. What he was looking at was a mushroom cloud. Yeah. And whether when, this mushroom? Oh. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh well, yeah. I, I was getting ready to say uh, when when you like when you uh, pass by a nuclear reactor and they have a they're in the middle of a test site, and you have an explosion of an H-bomb or uh, you have an explosion of any type of ra- radioactive device. Once it explodes, you have the typical mushroom cloud. That's fallout, nuclear fallout, when radiation is dispensed throughout a large area or a large body. Like, for instance, radiation can spread up to maybe three or four cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that mushroom. That's what that mushroom cloud is 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 what a, is, is consisting of is radioactive energy being, uh, you know, 
spread out throughout the and, and that's when a lot of you know they they get evacuated from those towns if if there's fear of nuclear fallout, which that's what the purpose of a nuclear cloud is or or a uh, mushroom cloud is right and so yes we are in trying times because rank of war with Russia. And America is not in good standing right now. When we got hit on 9-11, God bless America. Oh, we just all holding hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, we had to resolve. We was ready to go and, and, and defend this country. I was hyped. You know what I'm saying? But despite the fact of it being a conspiracy, you know, Americans, for the most part, were united. I cannot explain how nice people was the day after 9-11. All Americans were mad. We were mad. I mean, like, it was like a high level of generosity going on for some reason. And it's because we ain't got hit. But even from that point to now, look at what look at and look at what's happened. Look at where we at. We got men going in the girls' bathrooms. We got we got over seven seventy seven hundred terrorist encounters with borders at the at the border states right now. Another leaked document about the possible threat of uh, uh, Islamic terrorism going on at our borders, and we're not even aware of it. Our media has failed us. Our leaders have failed us. Not that we should, again, place our trust in any man, but God has established governments. And these governments are supposed to do what they're supposed to do to protect the rights of man. Not take the rights of man, but protect the rights of man. Not make more laws that restrict man and his freedom, like the freedom to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Why? shouldn't I have the right to protect myself, especially from people who wish to do me harm because I don't want to follow under their style of religion. This was something that y'all got mad at Christians about. The government got mad at Christians about it. Oh, you can't be teaching you know, just the Genesis theory. We come from monkeys. Hmm. So they remove God out of the Then all of a sudden, people go, I'm offended. I'm offended because he got the Ten Commandments at the courthouse. Oh, you replaced the Ten Commandments with a statue of the foment. Baphomet. Same, same dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> same dude. This is the stuff that we've got to stop, man. We've got to stop it. We've got to stop it. Because if we don't, 
Christians, you're going to have to put, definitely put your uh, armor of God on. You're going to have to be strong, very strong to go through this persecution. You have to be very strong to go through this persecution. The Christians across seas, they used to it. They get on their knees and they get their heads chopped off. Christians here in America, for the most part, we we've been fed that whole prosperity gospel. Yeah, that this that's is, a... this is your time now. This is your time now. Every year, this is the year of new beginnings. Yeah, this is the year of jubilee, and we're gonna we we we're gonna pray that the, the wealth of the wicked will be laid up for the righteous. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and so. <laughs> This is what's being, and, and that's why the cause of Christ has been weakened. But Najita, you raised up a couple of points that I want to really focus on for all of our okay. listeners. Is that um, all of this stuff that you talked about within the past, uh, well, at the end uh, anyway, is the co- the root cause of all that, like Roe versus Wade, nineteen seventy three, by the um, Supreme Court. Uh, when prayer was removed out of the schools in 1962, that was Brown. Uh, that was uh, <clears throat> Vital. I think that was uh, Brown versus Vital or something like that. It was the they, they legislate the Democrats legislated that, or should I say the liberals legislated that prayer be taken out of the schools. And uh, are you outside? I am. I'm sorry. Am I bothering you guys? Oh no! Uh, oh, is this I'm the real button? Just, just, just mute your phone. Okay, hold on. All right. But yes, uh, this was um, Brown versus. Uh, well, this was in 1962. It was a, um, a legislate. This was a legislative order that was done by the Supreme Court at. By the at the not that at the behest, but it was done by well, actually Marilyn O'Hare complained to the Supreme Court that having God and having prayer in the public schools was unconstitutional. So every other every other religion can come into these schools and practice whatever they need to practice. You can even uh, teach your child. You can have Harry Potter Day. And teach your child how to be a witch. And you mean to tell me parents are not going to come up there to the PTA meeting and say, "Hey, oh, you're teaching my kid occultism," but you pr- you say a prayer outside of the school grounds and you get a, you you get your your job is in jeopardy. So, but see, this is the result of what is called cultural Marxism. They believe these Marxists said that, "Hey, can't beat them, join them," but we'll implement our ideas into the culture a little at a time, gradually. And before you know it, everybody will be thinking just like we are. And this is it's the same thing that, hap- the, that Lyndon Baines Johnson said when he was starting his uh, Great Society in 19, I think it was in 1968 or something like that, mm-hmm. after JFK was murdered and he was elected president right away, which I think he had something to do with it. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, mm-hmm. He said that we will have... These N N blankety blank voting Democrat for the next two hundred years, and that's exactly he was right. 
That's exactly what happened. We we're the blacks are still voting Democrat, but that's that's still. I don't want to make this too much of a race issue. What I really want to focus on is that these self same Marxists wanted to implement their ideologies, implement their philosophies into every area of Western life. So now the murder of the unborn is just like putting on your sneakers. Everybody does it, so why don't we do it? You know, the the redistribution of wealth, the, the elimination of all the jobs, and the implementation of um, the these welfare programs, these social programs that we see, in, especially within uh, minority communities, uh, this is the result, and it's crippling our sense of morality. Every church, and then not only that, but the churches have been affected because the churches have adopted the black liberation theologically, the, the black liberation theologian, or the black liberation theological mindset, which means that our salvation comes in the in, in the color of our skin. Jesus Christ was black, so he taught a way to... The, the, the only way that the black man can be saved is just to realize that he has been uh, maligned, he's been uh, harassed, a and victim. he has been... Hmm? He's been a victim. Yeah. And not only that, but he has been—he's been oppressed by the black, by the white man, and that's part of our salvation, or most of it, anyway. And so, all of these liberal, these Marxist ideas have slowly implemented themselves into the church, and that's why the church, the black church in particular, is so ineffective, so powerless, so uh, uh, impotent, because. And the, the the surrounding neighborhoods that these churches are in are in or, or or have been planted in get worse and worse and worse. You can have fifty churches on every corner. You can have a ten churches on one side, and you can have twenty churches on the other, and you can have another ten down the street, and you can have another ten across town. Well, not necessarily across town, but maybe ten blocks away, and the neighborhood is not changing. There aren't any pastors willing to stand up and say, "Hey, look." And this is what I said on some other in another person's thread. We need to stop fornicating outside of wedlock. This is the this is why there's so many children being born out of wedlock because sexual immorality is run rampant. We need to stop this and learn and and what the gospel is. I, you know, I need if I'm a pastor, if I'm a Christian leader, then I need to get the gospel out to these people because they're lost. They don't know Christ. I can't tell them your season of harvest is here and, you know, uh, you you got to speak it into existence. I'm speaking into the atmosphere. I got to get the atmosphere on, set the atmosphere on fire. What kind of nonsense is that? What These people don't know anything about that. These people don't know anything about setting the atmosphere on fire. They don't even know because these pastors don't understand what the gospel is. And so these pastors are voting for uh, liberal politicians like Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. I can remember when Barack Obama first got elected, and I looked on YouTube because I think it was someone, I'm not going to mention her name on the air, but it was somebody that sent me an inbox message, and he said, check this out. And I said, okay, all right, I'll, I'll check it out as long as it's not porn. So I clicked it on, 
and it had all of these black churches in various parts of the South, jumping up and down, shouting and praising the Lord that Obama got elected as president. The first black president in the history of the United States. This is why the black church and black Christians in general have uh, such blinders on when it comes to his policies because they believe that he's the culmination of 50 years of civil rights. We've been fighting for civil rights all all these years, and we've been praying and we've been crying and we've been seeing we shall overcome and all this other stuff, all these other Negro spirituals we've been seeing since the 50s and the 60s. And now Barack Obama, this man, is a culmination of that. Little did they realize that Barack Obama wasn't black, but he was mixed. But anyway, um, they did all this, and they they didn't care that he was a Marxist. They didn't care that he learned all of his community organization skills from Saul Alinsky in his book, um, Free for Radicals or something like that. And um, they, they, you know, they, they didn't realize that when he was in Chicago, he uh, organized this, this uh, scam with these people uh, in, you know, with uh, Tony Resco, a mobster. He didn't know that he was friends with William Ayers, who was an a international terrorist, they didn't know or care that he was uh, a staunch uh, supporter of abortion and infanticide. They didn't know that he spoke into, into uh, he was he was speaking at two plant, Planned Parenthood uh, rallies uh, during his presidential two of his presidential elections. So cultural Marxism teaches that there's no right and wrong, and get rid of God and Christianity, and implement all of these godless, anti-biblical, anti-Christian Marxist views into the culture. And so now we see it everywhere on television. We read it in our books. You know, Notice how all the Marxists have changed the information in our history books. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like even my son. May I add in two cents? Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. Just... Just thinking about, not thinking about, but um, um, going about what you guys said about Obama, a friend of mine put this in my ear, and it made a whole lot of sense. Um, and he just simply said that Obama is not our first black president, and he said a black person is, is a descendant of slaves. Obama is not a descendant of slaves. His mom is, I guess, white Hawaiian. His father's from Kenya. So, therefore, he's half king and half white, Hawaiian, European, whatever you want to call it. He is, he's not like a first black president. So, what that did for me was like, you know what? They kind of like gave us a little something maybe. I don't know. Maybe gave us, gave us a thought. I, don't, I can't put my words together right about now. But I got everybody thinking we got a first black president, but they might have been strategically is, and they just pacified them for a moment. And then the only um, – and pardon me, I'm always talking when I'm after work and everything. I'll be walking, so excuse me. But um, huh. um, another thing, that, yes. And oh, another I, thing that this. Hey, how are you guys doing? And right. uh, another thing, I'm doing great. Won't complain. I catch you guys as soon as I get off work. Um, <laughs> um, another thing that threw me off was really kind of like gave me like a little left eye on him was when I saw. Um, I'm having Jay-Z and Beyonce within the White House and Michelle oh, Obama parading. Yes, and Michelle Obama parading Beyonce around. That really threw me for a loop. Like, you know what? I might not know what's going on, but the company that you guys are keeping, something ain't right to me. And that's all I got. <laughs> well, Shantae, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. 
I, by the way, the name of the book by, written by Saul Alinsky was Rules for Radicals. And I want you to look up the preface in the book before you read it, and it's it's going to blow your socks off. But anyway, um, that's something that I wanted to really focus on, what Shantae just brought up. When Barack Obama and Michelle Obama uh, brought in Jay-Z, and, 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 and I think it was Hillary, actually, that used Jay-Z as her uh, main promoter, I guess, that really ticked me off because here's a woman, here's a guy who for the past, I don't know, 25 years, yeah, for the past 25 years since he's been rapping. And I've known him to be uh, to be a rapper since the late 80s because mm-hmm. there was another rapper that brought him into prominence. And I'm not going to mention his name, but you know who I'm talking about. Yes, I am. I'm going to mention his name. It's J.O. or whatever his name is. Some yeah. rapper that uh, got him popular. That, that brought his name him is uh, Jazz, Jazzo. Jazzo, or whatever his name was. And because uh, I don't follow rap, so I can't get the names right. But uh, he brought him into the game, so to speak. And so he has been calling women bees and hoes ever since he started rapping. And, and then at the so, time with Beyonce, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt real quick, but the time Beyonce, she had a popular saying um, down, bees bow down, and that bothered me very much. And it's oh, like, yeah. uh, like, Michelle, you're ushering this woman around, but she's literally telling women to bow down and bow down to her. Hmm. Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> yeah, see, she brought that up. Um, she uh, she had a song about, you know, bow down bees, and this came out mm-hmm. in 2013, I believe. Uh, I saw this in a, a YouTube video. A guy by the name I I, I have to admit I I've, sometimes I follow Tommy Sotomayor and he brought he uh, had that oh, on his man. video. <laughs> I, I don't I, I I've unsubscribed to him, but I used to I used to follow Tommy Sotomayor, and um, he had that on his video, and it was about Beyonce's her new video uh, her new song Bow Down Bees, and I'm I, it's knocked me out of my chair. But these guys, not only does is Jay-Z a poor representative for Hillary Clinton's uh, you know, uh, presidential campaign, but I want you to check out something. When you go on YouTube or when, or when you Google him or go on YouTube or whatever and you check out some of the things, his interviews, I want you to pay close attention to the shirt that he was wearing, a black shirt, and it had Aleister Crowley's phrase, do what thou wilt. Mm-hmm. Then I want you to check, uh, check out um, a video with, that he did with Rihanna, you know, We Run the World or something like that. This, this, this song mm-hmm. came out in, ni- in 2009. I, I was doing my uh, – I was taking college courses. I didn't really need to, but I was taking college courses back in 2009, and I heard this song when I was going into a store downtown to get a watch. And, that's, and, I, and I didn't pay too much attention to it because, again, I don't follow rap. But Beyonce is is disgusting. I believe that she's a black feminist. I believe that the reason why she's popular today is because of Oprah Winfrey. And I'm going to really, really get into that um, if uh, Najiti gives me the – if Najiti allows me to. uh, What? Huh? You're a grown man. Do what you do. Oh, excuse me. Uh, But, yeah, okay, I'll get into it right now. Uh, Beyonce, during Oprah's – birthday party, Beyonce 
uh, came on her show. I think this was before she went on. She started her own uh, uh, television program, her television station own. But uh, I think it might have been before or after. But anyway, she she got on she she got on her show and she sung the song called "Girls Run the World." And oh, yeah. she, she was marching up and down and this, that, and the other. And this is what Beyonce is teaching the young women of this generation, of my generation anyway, and the generation that's behind us, that men are not needed and that we run the world. So since we run the world, by the way, Beyonce is married to Jay-Z. So why is she teaching young single women that men are not needed? Why is exactly. she teaching us? Why is she teaching that? But I guess she feels she has an empire of her own. Well, the thing about it is, and, and I'm going to tell you why she's teaching it, because the the uh, the Marxists are trying to eliminate the family structure. They're trying to tear ah. it down. They're trying to eliminate the family structure because, again, the family structure is representative of God. See, God, in, in the book of Genesis... God said, man, white, uh, woman, man, man, woman. God made male and female in the image of God. In the image of God, he, you know, made uh, man and woman. So when God blessed that marriage, as a matter of fact, let me uh, turn to that verse right now. I think it's in Genesis chapter 2, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't misquote the verse and have everybody scurrying like, hey, wait a minute, that's not what that verse said. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now there again is the endorsement of the marriage relationship by God. There's no man and man, no woman and woman, man, woman. They shall cleave to each other, leave their mother and father, parents, and cleave with each other, and they shall become one flesh. So there's the endorsement, the blessing, if you will. And so this is ordained by God himself. So what the Satanists and the Marxists are trying to do is eliminate that, take the man out of the picture and have men worshiping the female, have women worshiping the mother goddess, have women, uh, men worshiping uh, this new age false goddess that we see in American culture. And that's why all of these rappers, you see all of these um, politicians worshiping. And as a matter of fact, you look at witchcraft as a whole, you look at uh, witchcraft, they are worshiping the mother goddess. Look at Catholicism, they're worshiping the mother goddess. Uh, they're saying that Mary was the co-redemptress, you know, uh, along with Christ. And that's that, that's just straight up occultic. That's not biblical. Nowhere in Correct me if I'm wrong. I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I have got, um, after me reading the Bible um, years ago, I had got the impression that married men and woman is the image of God on earth. Um, yes. And so... So therefore, I got to looking at this as, and no wonder all these things that are coming, um, are, everything that you just said is just just trying to pretty much is if they can separate the man and the woman, woman and woman, man and man, then there will not be images of God on earth. But according to also to what I read is 
man is made in the image of God. When I look at a man, I see a man, I, I literally think, okay, that's what God looks like and everything. Maybe not the same features, but two eyes, the torso, the chest, the arms, the, the physical features and everything. So I guess man by himself is God-like, but when man and woman get together, you are now um, possessing the attributes and the true characteristics of God, and that's why God blessed the marriage. And so basically I figured, like, okay, that's what the spirits are doing. They're just trying to nitpick and unpick what's already been created. And even before what you said, I look at the establishment of welfare, um, income housing, and especially child support that are means to separate the family. And if we want to make it racial, it seems as if it's the black family, but I don't know the whole geographics where right about now I'm just concerned about the family altogether, man, woman, black, white, Chinese, whomever. Well, I think that um, the marriage relationship is a representative of God because God is a spirit even though he has what we call anthropomorphic qualities, arms, legs, he has volition, he has an intellect. Uh, but the Bible teaches that God is a person simply because he has intellect, he has a will, he has uh, intellect, and um, man is not God. Let, let's just, just get that clear. He's God-like, yeah. He's, he's not, uh, I don't know if he's God-like either, because that's pretty okay. much the same. But I, okay. I think that man is a representative of God in the earth in the sense oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that he has volition Notice that God that Jesus, that God told man that he well God said in His Word that man was made in the image of God. Now let's look at that word image. In the Hebrew, that means image is like or has the qualities of you know he has will, he has intellect, he has emotions. It, it, it also it also means resemblance. Yeah, resemblance. Okay. It does. It does not mean right. anything. We have to look at. Uh, there's a term, and, I, and I'm sorry. Put your thinking caps on and get ready for this term. You guys ready? Onto. It, it means a uh, ontologically, and that means nature. You know, in you know your, your nature uh, is you know different from God. In other words, ontologically, uh, we are made in the image of God. In other words, we were made with will, volition, and, um, uh, you know, intellect, as opposed to physically, because God is a spirit. God doesn't have a human body. So, well, say that well, marriage is, well, they, you know, when, when you, uh-huh. I don't mean to, I don't mean to cut you off, uh, but, I think me and you already had this discussion, right? Right. Um, now, I'm sort of leaning towards what uh, what Shantae said in regards to how God looks based upon how we look. And when I think about scriptures like Ezekiel, where uh, Ezekiel said he saw one like the Son of Man sitting on his throne, and the floor uh, was jasper, and it was a, a lightning and a fire that came out from his loins. And so, when I think when I think about scriptures like that, I'm thinking to myself, well, uh, 
he ha- I mean he he has a he has a body and God created man in his image like we look like we look like God we look like God and so I I understand where uh Shante is coming from uh in regards to you know God having a hand yeah I believe God has a hand a arm uh, chest, a back. I mean, like, remember when the Lord told Moses that he would let him see his backside? So the scriptures like that where it's like, you know what I'm saying, we can't we can't see God, uh, but I'm thinking, like, before the fall, before the fall in the garden, remember it was the voice of the Lord that came down and fellowship with Adam and Eve in the garden. But for some reason, when they sinned, he had to remove them out of the garden. And I'm thinking it's because seeing God how he is, like in his power and in his glory, uh, somebody like us, like we're incompatible to God. We, we was connected directly to the power source but when sin entered into the world through Adam and sin passed to all men, well, we got disconnected. So it's like, you know, here's God. He, he has all this power. And for instance, think about when Jesus Christ, after Jesus Christ got baptized. What did John say? Uh, who was it, Matthew or John? Who who was it who said they saw uh, lightning uh he like he was uh, he had lightning going up and down uh his body. But well, what about when Jesus Christ was on the mountain of transfiguration? You know what I'm saying? Like his body his his body was transfigured, he was glorified. So well, when I so when I when I think about God making us in his image and we had talked about this again, like uh when we're talking about transhumanism, because uh, our bodies, within our DNA, we have um, like a photo cell. Uh, For instance, like when Moses went up on the mountain to talk to God and he came back down and his face was glowing. Now, can you imagine somebody walking around literally glowing? Well, like I don't know if you have ever heard of uh, Douglas Hamp, but he he has a video called "Corrupting the Image," and the image, of course, is being uh, us. We're in the image of God. So, the same way that God has this glory, we had some type of body that was, you know, what I'm saying that was maybe glorified somehow, or maybe had a shine. Or something well, to it. That that was um when the before uh man was um fell, uh I don't right. know it was called the age of innocence. Man was innocent, wasn't perfect, but he was innocent. And Well, I mean uh, he had to be perfect because when God created the world and he, he well, created he everything, he said it was very good. Right. So man was he, man was perfect. Well, he was perfect, not like God. Well, okay, let me put it to you this way. 
he was perfect in the sense that he was innocent. Everybody, every everything in creation was made was good until sin corrupted it, including man. So, um, and then of course the lifespan was shortened as a result of sin. But uh, yeah, I, I look at being in the image of God as intellect and vision. I mean, intellect and volition and things of that sort, and. Um, we are representatives of that image. We are representative of what God is like. And and so uh, when the family was destroyed, then, and, and this is why a lot of your Luciferians, a lot of the Marxists are attacking the family structure so vigorously, getting man, getting a man to hate women and getting oh. women to hate men and vice versa. Right, exactly. Uh, and this homosexuality is in this and this this uh, androgynous look is glorified. It's not just it's confusion. Admired. It's causing it's confusion. Yeah, it's, it's confusion, and so men are looked at as something of a more or less a, a consolation prize. Oh, I'll be with you because you're, you'll you'll give me something in return, as opposed to I'll be with you because we love each other. And so let's grow and build as a result of that love. You know, love is commitment, I believe. Love is a commitment just like the same kind of love that Jesus Christ had for his people before, uh, well, Jesus Christ had for us, and that's why he died for our sins. But that love is uh, seared. That there, that, and, I, and I mentioned the verse in the book of Second Timothy chapter 3, without natural affection. That, that's not just psychopathy or sociopathy, but that's uh, a natural love for a man uh, that a woman has, and that's the natural love for a man, I mean, for a woman that a man has. That's gone. That's without natural affection. So that means that I can get involved in any kind of lascivious act possible, even to the point of having sex with children. And so... Mm. That's sick, and that's demonic. And But this is what we are seeing in our society now. And so you, you listen to the, the majority of millennials, the majority of young, women, young men and young women today, you know, what, what, ask them this question. Are you looking to get married, and if so, why? I'm not looking to get married. I don't want no man telling me what to do. See, that's, that's crazy. That, that's cra- Now, my thing is, if you're looking for a wife or or you're looking for a husband, then uh, especially as a Christian single, you, you you have to go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, and it's in also very imperative to look for a, a mate that has your Christian views, uh, including Christians. So because I've known some some Christians that are really they have some weird world views they have some weird beliefs, but the marriage is the marriage covenant is under attack. The marriage that the the family is under attack, and how do you do that? How do you destroy the family? Remove the man from the home. Get women to think that men are dogs. Men are all men are dogs. All men are crazy. Uh, all men are this, all men are that. So men are saying to themselves, well, I don't need no woman either. You know, since women are crazy anyway, you know, they're not to be trusted either. So I'm just going to, you know, go on 
this uh, men-go-their-own-way worldview, the MGTOW uh, ideologue. And that's just feminism and men and, and, and men speak, I guess, and clothed to, from, from a men's yeah. perspective. Something yeah, else that came to mind thing. as well. I'm sorry, say that again, right. someone? I said something something else that came to my mind as well. This is a thought that it had came to me um, within my own reading of studies and backing it up. And once again, correct me if I'm wrong, such as um, it is said that, um, hmm, okay, my words, paraphrase a little bit, but pretty much to make, um, hmm, well, I know Jesus is king. Um, I don't necessarily know how to put it together so you guys put it together. But um, pretty much when God made man, he, like, he left a representation of himself because he knew he would leave and come back again. And they gave the analogy of, you know, back in the day when kings were, and then were like um, conquering lands and when they were going out um, frontier and all that type of stuff, that when they go to a land that looks like um, nobody lived there and habitated it, and they would um, build a statue of themselves. And then pretty much when it's if like another country, somebody came through and they saw that statue, it would be like, hey, this land has already been claimed or it's already been announced, whatever the case may be. And if the other people were to break that statue down, then when the other person came back, that's pretty much claiming wars. So they said that it's pretty much the same analogy when it comes to men or just people, but I still wanted to say the male man, that when men, males are walking around on earth, that is, God leaving representation of himself so that when I come back, um, like the same way that the king says, so basically when Jesus comes back, man is left to his representation as a, you know, I guess, um, God-like victories or whatever on earth. And then I put that together to where um, Satan was here throughout the creation just watching and everything. And so therefore, then I put it together also like, I just have to put the tumor to where like, you know what, you thought you were going to rule this, you thought this was your world, but I left my representation. So when I come back as king, I'm claiming what is mine. But if and when, not if, oops, pardon me, please forgive me. But when I come back and then what I have established has been broken or torn down, it is war. So therefore, I say, I tell my daughter, you know, it's like each party, they're building their army. So what side are you going to be on? There is going to be a war. And and that's why I look at it in the feminism, the um, androgynous nature, the gay, and all that type of stuff. That is, the, I guess, the spirit of the world breaking down what the Lord had um, established. And so, yes, there is going to be a fight led by Michael because of the um, just desensitization and the whole just going against the grain of what's already been established, if that made any sense. Well, yeah, there is a desensitization of sin. Um, you, you, you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 27 through 32, uh, you see that, desensit- uh, the, that desensitization even happening, a downgrade. It's it's like a downward spiral of sin. You know, men getting involved in all kinds of nonsense, and then there's a downward spiral from chapter 1 all the way down through verse 32. And uh, we see that now. We see a love for sin, not just a, you know, men are just, people are just being desensitized, but there's a love for it. There's a love for for perversion. My ego self. And, and ego yeah. self. Uh, I want to be, I'm the captain of my own ship. You know, the the term nihilism comes to mind. And the word, that word means there is no more, that there's nothing, nothing exists. There's no morals, no anything. Just do whatever it is that you want to do. You're the captain of your own ship. Yeah, do what thou will. It'll be the whole of the law. To to me, what it sounds like, 
uh, and I agree with, with both of y'all, what it sounds like to me is a zero human plan. That's what it sounds like. Satan's plan is like he really wants to corrupt the image. I think about that. He wants to get rid of every single human being, and I believe it's because Uh we look and we are God's image. We are made in God's image, and he hates human guts. Mm -hmm. And I know that uh, when Jesus says that he he said you're of your father, the devil, who was a murderer in the beginning, when he brought sin, well, technically it was Adam that did it. But remember, Adam wasn't deceived. It was the woman. And again, right. that's, that's not. I'm not saying it to be a male chauvinist or anything. No, I understand. But, I absolutely do understand. Okay, so um, Satan he went to her, and she ate the fruit and gave to her husband, and he ate. Mm-hmm. Now, I when I look at this situation as to why did Adam Thank eat, you. I believe that Adam did this. Because of his, because, uh, or he did this for the love of his wife. His wife was going to be destroyed. Yeah. So he willfully ate of the tree. Now, did he do this because he thought it would somehow save her? I don't think so. But I believe he did this because he didn't want to be without her. And it makes me see Adam at this point in time as a type of Christ because Christ gave himself, although he was, you know what I'm saying, he he knew no sin, he gave himself for his wife. He paid the price for his wife. And so through Adam, death entered into the world, and through Christ, through Christ, life eternal. Satan had been trying to prevent that from happening ever since the garden. From Genesis 3.15, the promise was made of a seed of the woman who shall come and crush the head of the serpent. Well, uh, there would be enmity between her seed and his seed but notice, he said the sea will crush his head. Mm-hmm. So we see Satan and the Antichrist right there. But attacking the image, the image of God, and what we see today, uh, this culture of homosexuality, uh, single parent, you know, like you said earlier, Dave, people, we in the black community have to stop fornicating. It's yeah, understandable. Exactly. Hey, hey, you don't want to, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to uh, get married and all that. Cool, mm-hmm. but you still have to be free of fornication because you know what I'm saying. It, it's not, it's not just the children, uh, the possible 
the possible thing of chil- uh, children coming into the world through wedlock, but it's also dangerous because you have STDs out there. Uh, And also it creates too much emotional, too much emotional strain on people when the relationship doesn't work out. I know I'm, I'm being transparent. I, I know I've experienced it in the past. Hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? Thank, but you know, thank God. You know, my children are not out of wedlock, but there was a possibility. Of, I almost uh, had a child out of wedlock, but you know, the results turned out otherwise. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was fortunate. So, I learned from I learned from my mistakes, and that's what we have to do. Uh, it's one thing to put it out there and say, oh, we got to stop doing this, but it's another thing to just say it and not encourage people to do what's right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy The Holy Spirit will convict us of the things that we have done, even if nobody else knows it. But at the same time, God has given us a choice uh, the opportunity, if you still have breath in your lungs, you still have strength in your body to repent and turn to God and start doing what's right. And that's just in your individual life. Nationally, this country needs to do a national repentance towards the Lord because uh, it's we are here. We are here. The new world order is about to be slammed in our face, and I don't think that the church is prepared. I really yeah, don't. I don't either. I, I don't either because there's so much falsehood. There's so much compromise, and it, it starts with the little, the, the smallest, the, mo- the most minute things. Um, it's, you know, you go to church nowadays and you hear nothing but rock music. You hear secular music being uh, played. Um, And, you know, people think that that's a little, that's minute, that doesn't have anything to do with the gospel. But, well, wait a minute. If you're going to have secular music and cleaning up the words, you're going to have CCM, you know, contemporary Christian music playing in your churches, you know, then you're going to compromise in other things. You're going to compromise in the way that you dress. And then next thing you know, you're going to compromise in the way uh, that well, in some of the things that you believe. So a little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. If you're, going to have, if you're going to have a glass of water and you're going to pour 10% of that water, uh, 10% arsenic in it, you drink that cup of water and you're going to end up dead within 10 minutes or 10 seconds. <laughs> or 10 minutes or whatever, you're going to die because you're going to be poisoned. So what makes you think, I guess it would be logical to think, that having a little bit of false teaching, just a little bit of compromise, just a little bit of of, of sin affect the whole church or affect the entire body, and the whole body is going to be corrupted. Like I mentioned, homeostasis, that's the uh, uh, that's a regulatory system in the body 
which means that the body has to be has to be maintained at a certain point, and anything above or below that, the body becomes sick. It becomes diseased, and if the homeostatic uh, system is disrupted, even slightly, then you're going to have cancer. You're going to have all kinds of other problems. The immune system is going to be out of whack. Your your circulatory system, your blood pressure is going to be all over the place. You're, you're going to be a mess. You're going to die, first of all, So, or your body is going to be diseased. So anything that messes up that regulatory system or anything that messes up uh, the spiritual uh, system or anything that messes up what God has already said in his word just the smallest thing, you know, then everything is going to be affected. Right. But Christians believe that, no, nah, you know, you, what's, the wrong, what's wrong with a little alcohol? Well, what's wrong with a little, uh, um, you know, secular music? What's wrong with a little this, that, and the other? And then we bring it into the church. Now, if you listen to secular music on your own time, then that's one thing. But then again, um, you're still going to be affected. Right. You may not be affected the same way I'm affected by it. You may not be affected by the guy down the street uh, the same way that the guy down the street is affected, but you're going to be in effect some way. And right. it's foolhardy. It's crazy to believe that, ah, well, you know, uh, these laws that are passing, they're not affecting me, but they are. And that's why... Uh, indirectly, to... Right, like in, indirectly at that because... Uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but you know what I'm saying? If, if like, a law passes in North Carolina that men can go into female bathrooms because they are gay or they're homosexual, um, if it passes through, the, where where's the church? You know what I'm saying? Like, where's the church in protest to these things? This is not yeah. right. This is not right. So where's the church? We should be out in masses. You know what I'm saying? Like, should be out in masses. When something like that in your local area is passed. Mm-hmm. You got this, you got over, you got over 100 churches within a two-mile radius just about. I don't say more than that. <laughs> May I interject yeah. a hot minute? When you um, but, I say about where's the church and everything, I don't know, am I, am I on mute? No, you're 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 fine. What okay, okay, all right, all right, okay. Um, I was thinking about it. Seems as every it seems like as like as if everybody kind of forgot the design, their role, their position, and everything from women to men to the family to the church to everything. Women, we are to set the tone. We are to set the house together. We are to bring the peace, things of that nature. Uh, we are to be honing ourselves and waiting for our husbands versus out there looking for a husband. Men are to be masculine. They are to be providers. They are to establish whatever it is so that when they do find that wife, she can bring it, that she can support the children, the home, this and that, the church. The church, um, I don't know the exact measurements, but it, um, it said the church is supposed to be responsible for so much of their radius of their block. Let's say they're supposed to be responsible for the first two miles of the, of the um, community, so therefore if they're fed, they need to be fed, hungry, this and that, then these um, pe- then, then this community is taken care of. Then we have a church here, here, and here. Then if we look at what's in the map, then all these churches probably taking care of the city to the community because it reaches out. Um, 
but I feel like everybody forgot their role and what they're really doing. Another thing I see about church to where it seems like I even felt in my own self it is that the church is supposed to be on high ground, so when somebody's in trouble, they can look up and know where to go. But when the church is on the same street or on the same plan field of house in the alleys and this and that, um, once again, and everything, I do these, these studies on my own, and I hope that I'm learning the truth and whatever. But it says that if a church is um, in the same plan field, that I guess it's easy to be warped. Um, but then I look at it to where it's written that we are not to rely on our feelings, a little bit of logic, and what it seems like what's going on in 2016 is everybody's more involved in their feelings. The sensitivity, I'm offended. You don't have the right to tell me this. And based off of feelings, if I feel like a man, I have every right to go into that restroom, which is going to be convenient for me. So I guess maybe the churches aren't seeing anything because it seems just they forgot about the true position and being responsible for the surrounding community. Um, I've jumped out a couple of churches to where it's like, you know what, you guys need to be concerned about yourself and yourself and yourself only, and we are literally in the middle of a failing neighborhood to where after I heard about the second drug overdose, and I was like, wait a minute, the church is in the background. Why was the church not there? You know, why did the church not ask, were they okay? Versus the news, in my opinion, almost making a mockery of the position of the church when they were speaking about these overdoses in the immediate um, community. So I just, in my opinion, I'm just saying everybody forgot their role and they're doing what they want to do based off of how they feel and is told not to rely on our feelings because our feelings are lies. Yeah, your assessment is correct. And uh, one of the things we forget is, as the body of Christ, he told us to be as bold as lions. You know, first he said, he also, he told us several things. He said, be gentle as doves, but be wise as serpents. He also told us to be, uh, I think it was Paul who said, be bold as lions. Um, Be bold in Christ. Be bold in Christ. Right. If, like, this neighborhood uh, you were describing it has a church. I, I lived in a neighborhood like this, where the whole neighborhood is just full of drugs, prostitution, fights, shootings, uh, um, spousal abuse, everything. You know, just the ghetto. But there's a church. Matter of fact, there's one, two churches in that same neighborhood. Now, now I'm I'm not I I'm not part of that institutionalized system, so I don't know exactly how it works. But if I was a pastor at even one of those churches, I would have went to one of the yes. churches in the neighborhood and say, hey, pastor, how can we help this neighborhood? This neighborhood yeah. is full of drugs and crime and things of that nature. Uh, maybe we can go door to door and introduce ourselves and tell people about the message of Jesus Christ and how we want them to come to the community church and come to Christ and let's see how we can help each other. You know what I'm saying? Like the church can't be like another form of welfare because Hmm. you still have, uh, you still have to, again, make sure that, uh, well, just take it. All you got to do is take it back to the basics Everybody who was part of the church gave. Just And, you know what I'm saying, don't scare people into giving like they do with the tithes and the offerings. And that's another reason why uh, we we are seeing these issues, because the pastors are making money off the tithes and the offerings. Some of them say they're not, but 
I mean, they it, are. It's, clear, it's clear as day. It's clear yeah. as day. And you know what I'm saying? So if you had a good community church where uh, I believe if you was to genuinely preach the gospel, you can touch every mind and heart in that neighborhood, and God will prosper that church. Mm-hmm. God will God will make sure that those lights in that church stay stay on. God will yep. make sure that the refrigerator at that church will stay full with food for mm-hmm. people in the neighborhood who don't have food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where He says that. He will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so that you won't have room enough to receive it. I believe that will happen not necessarily through tithes and offerings, but when people give freely. Because yeah. when, you, when you give somebody yeah. from your heart, you ain't thinking about a set amount, like 10%. you thinking like, I'm man, this man needs this, or this man family needs that. Uh, this family needs this, X, Y, and Z. Like, your heart is concerned, and you want to make sure that this family is well taken care of. Even if you can't give, uh, if, like, there's no, how can I say it? Like, for me, like, I felt bad because I didn't have enough to give, although I've given something, but I... I, man, God, I wish I was rich so I can. I would just build a whole, a whole homeless shelter in my backyard or something, you know. Hmm. But you know, we all have our financial little struggles uh, because of the current economy, or you know, since some fault of our own. But in either case, you know, even when you don't have much, when you're in Christ, you the heart. Right, you're rich in the heart, and by having that, this, like the Proverbs say, he says in the Proverbs, um, Lord, don't let me be rich, least I sin and forget about you, and don't let me be poor, I may still and curse your name. Just let me be content. And I think if we had that attitude, especially in the black community, well, mm-hmm. the churches, if you see the churches, in the black community, if the pastors operated from a New Testament perspective and stopped hanging on to Malachi 4 and 1 or 3 and 4, I forgot which one it is. 3 and 9. 3 and 8, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Stop hanging on to that to uh, trick people into giving you 10% of their income. And I'm going to tell you what will happen because of your faith in Christ, because of your faith in Christ, God will prosper that church. I promise you. I promise you. Just tell people. Just tell them. Look, tithing was a system done under the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus Jesus just said, give. Give, and it should be given unto you. May I testify? Um, I don't know exactly what year this was. It's more than a few years ago. I have four daughters, and my husband and I, we have been at an income housing 
for at least a couple of few years now. And the first thing he said to me was, do not re-certify um, for food stamps. I'm going to pay for the food. We're going to pay for the food. Um, and, of course, I followed his directions. Once we were married, I didn't re-certify um, for food stamps in that nature. And we have eaten very well, and we have been eating abundantly um, as in a loss of jobs, in-between jobs, um, things of that nature. But the biggest thing that I found that was very glorious was that once I have four daughters, and I was single for a very long time before marriage. And one, thing, one day it came to me, like it just hit me. I was like, oh, my goodness, Shantae. I said, the Lord is literally dressing your children. Your children's clothes are pretty much modern. Um, they're clean. They fit. You know, it might not be this. It might not be that. But they are very well-dressed children, Shantae, for you not to have a job. How have you been providing this? And it just and I, I was so humbled where I could not do anything but fall flat on my face. Thank you, Lord, for what you have provided. Um, there have been just clothes and things just dropped off for me, like, right on time. It even got to the point to where um, my children were given so much stuff to where, like, as soon as they grow out of it, I snatch it from a wash up, put it on a hanger so we can pass mm-hmm. it um, to the next people. And we've mm-hmm. always um, done that. And then... Um, um, people at church and around my community at the time, they were noticing I was always giving stuff away, and I was giving away what I had, which was for girls. And boys were like, well, do you have this? Do you have that? I was like, I don't, I don't. I was giving away what I had. And I said, I need some boy clothes. I need some boy clothes. Everybody knows me for having daughters, for having three, four daughters. This one day I come home to my apartment, but there are two trash bags that are um, by my door. I open them up. They are boys' clothes, boys' clothes from a kid to a teenager, even with some tags on them. I said, shut up, glory, glory, glory. So I look at that as far. Yes, true story. True story. To this day, I do not know where these clothes came from. This, I gotta, this, this, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Sorry. Um, no, no, that's it. I am. And it's happened again at another time, just a little bit faster to where I was um, maturing my dress code and things of that nature. Sean, so you're getting closer to 30, to close to 40. Don't wear this. Don't do that. You're not representing yourself. I I need some more clothes. I need some more humble clothes. Then one day, Anthony came home. My husband came with these clothes. He said, some man gave me these clothes for me to give them to you. And he gave me beautiful skirts, beautiful skirts. And I said, well, who was? He goes, I don't know. Some man with glasses. And at the time at church, I went to every single man that had glasses, and it was not him. <laughs> we still don't know who mm-hmm. this man is. I, I got a testimony. I, I got a testimony since Shantae uh, stuck her neck out there. Um, I uh, had all of these clothes. I, I remember when I came back from Chicago, I went to art school six years ago, and I didn't have I, I uh, didn't have any. I brought you know all of my clothes from 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 home. So when I came back, I lost everything. I, I, I left because I couldn't take I didn't have any luggage, so I couldn't take it all home. So I just left it all in my dorm. And uh, so I had to replace everything. And then they all kind of faded out. You know, I had a couple of Levi's jeans, and they don't sell them anymore. They I, I used to wear baggy jeans. But since they don't wear it, they, they don't sell them anymore. The, pack, the, the manufacturers, they don't make them anymore. I started buying Nauticas. And... They ended up getting, you know, going bad and things of that sort. So, well, not going bad, but they ended up getting faded a little bit, and I stopped wearing them. But they were in some, in some, you know, good condition. So I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to give all this stuff away because uh, I'm not wearing it anyway. I still have some, uh, a lot of clothes, more clothes than I can wear, but 
the majority of the clothes that I used to wear, I gave them away, and they were still in good condition. Shirts, um, uh, not socks, but shirts, um, jeans, um, and I just gave them to, away to the Whosoever Gospel Mission, which is in my area. And I can remember when I got on the e- uh, I went to check my email the next day, and I, because for everybody that knows me or anyone that don't know me that's on the line, I'm an author. So uh, most of my, some of my, uh, I, I, I prayed every night that uh, these the people were to read my work so that I can at least make some money. So I looked on uh, e- my email. I checked my email, which I do every other day. And uh, it says, you know, uh, my publisher told me about some of the uh, books that uh, went out and the royalties I made. Don't you know, uh, I, you know, most of the, the the books that I recently published, people are reading them now. Oh, so, wow. Uh, so I was there like, we go. wow, people are actually reading my books. And, you can, of course, you can find them on Amazon. And I said, people are actually reading my books. Because when I started and I got published before, I was I was working with another publisher. Nobody was reading my books at all. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, maybe I should quit, number one, or maybe I should just change my, my genre, write nonfiction. I said, man, forget that. I'll just stop with uh, sending my work to that publisher. And I went with... Uh, another one called Solstice Publishing, and they have a sci-fi fantasy line. And I said, and then I looked, and I looked like, wow, after I gave all of those clothes away to the whosoever gospel, because I didn't need them, I wasn't wearing them. You know, what's the point in uh-huh. having all these clothes in my closet, and then they're just hanging there? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I said, you know what, let me pack them all up in a bag, in a trash bag, and just give them away, just give them to whoever needs them. And so... um that's what I did. I, I just gave them away, and um, a person from my mom's church uh, <clears throat> knocked on the door to, to, to get them, and, and that was the end of it. I just gave them away to the uh, the Whosoever Gospel Mission. And then when I looked, checked my email, and, and I saw that people were reading my books, I was like, oh, this is nice. People are actually reading them now. And and so the that's... I'm that, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying, the first thing that came to my mind was God honors those who honor him. And even though you might not have known exactly what you were doing, but God honors those who honor him. He can do right. more or less of us. He will do for you. That's the first thing that came in my mind. Like, hey, that's where I've been surviving for years. <laughs> like, you know, wow. Yeah, you know, I, I've been writing for years, and uh, I, I didn't think that people would actually read any of my stuff, and especially that I write fantasy, you know, science fiction and fantasy, and, you know, Christians kind of shrivel their noses up at it. You know, they turn their noses up at you for writing stuff like that because they think um, that, oh, my God, you're writing science fiction. You're into Satanism. Get the well, you know, me you know what uh, the, proverb, the proverb says that, you know, uh, God blesses the, uh, the liberal soul. Yeah, and you know that word liberal, liberal though there and that word the way it's being used there is you know it's a very generous person, or mm-hmm. you know a very giving person, and uh, I man I will be here all day if I just let's see let me see if I can just pull one out the hat real quick. Um, 
uh, man, just just the fact that I came back alive from Iraq, um, mm. getting out of some of these like situations that I found myself in, as far as um, you know, as I was saying earlier, uh, how you know I was fornicating and a child. I thought a child was mine, but it wasn't mine. And uh, although I, I I was ready to take care of it, but you know, situation came to where it was like, you know, shoot, hey, this one's not yours. And so I had an opportunity, you know, to be to be free and make things right for myself. Um, man, uh, meeting Evelyn, my wife, my my wife now, uh, my children. My goodness, uh, this job, like when I got back from Iraq, I went right back to working at Food Line, uh, not even making $10 an hour. And, you know, you have to imagine making quite a few months, uh, quite a few dollars in Iraq and then coming home and now I'm working at Food Line. I'm just like, ugh. But then I uh, volunteered to go back to Iraq. And what happened was my unit administrator, she was like, you know, Hawkins, you don't have to go back to Iraq if you don't want to. Uh, you can sign up for this job, Active Guard Reserves, AGR. And I said, okay, well, sign me up. Whichever one comes first, I'll go. Uh, because in my mind, I was thinking, you know, my son is about to be born, and I don't really have a good way of taking care of him. So... I was willing to give my life in Iraq just so they would have money on this side, you know what I'm saying, risking my life over there in Iraq. But God saw that. I don't know. Maybe he saw that and decided to just give me the AGR job because that's exactly what happened. I got the AGR job, and they said, hey, you ain't got to go to Iraq. And... I've been in this job for almost uh, 14, 15 years now. And, Excellent. Mm. Yeah, and I'm I'm literally, like, on my last leg in this military, I got about five to four more, four to five years left before I retire. And although, you know, it, it sounds, everything sounds good, but there's always, you know, little struggles here and there. But I appreciate everything that the Lord has done for me, and uh, I've always been a, I think, uh, I've always been a very generous person uh, because of the way I grew up. I was picked on, got uh, jumped on because I didn't have on the the, the, the brand name shoes, and uh, <laughs> my family was on welfare and stuff like that. But all of that, you know, all of that place me in a in a furnace and yeah over and over and over again Lord took me out he used this hammer which is the word to beat that dross off of me each and every time putting me back in the fire taking me back out beating that dross off me again and it's a continuous process until we manifest as the sons of God uh as the scripture says. So uh, I encourage all Christians, 
everybody to to be generous and loving towards one another, and that's the difference between the Christian faith. Um, David, we mm-hmm. are we are almost an hour over. Uh, it looks like it's about to be twelve o'clock on your side. Um, so we can go ahead and uh, end the show here. And we can pick up where we didn't get to get to because I, I got a lot of stuff that I want to get off my chest. This 10-year-old little boy got raped in a swimming pool by a Syrian, no, I'm sorry, by an Iraqi refugee in Austria. And the wow. the, ju- the judge, he, revert, he, he, he dropped the charges because it uh, – of a language barrier. The the Iraqi didn't know the little boy was saying no. Mm. Well, stop. But he's a little boy in common sense as he don't do that, and he's a boy. Unbelievable. The, the, the Muslim man said he had a sexual emergency. And that's what I'm telling you. Again, going back to this whole election thing, y'all better be careful what you ask. Because if you want those borders open, you want a 500% increase of the Syrian refugees here in America, you better believe that's what you're going to get. Yeah, Obama and Hillary Clinton, they're, they're, uh, and not only that, they're just so evil. I, you know, these, these two politicians are so evil. Like, for instance, uh, Obama was on plan. He he was speaking at a Planned Parenthood uh, conference, and he said, "Thank God for your work." Now, how right. does how devoid of how devoid of natural affection can you? You have to be a total psychopath to say. To to speak at a Planned Parenthood conference and just ha- allow that to come out of your mouth. Thank God for your service. You're killing unborn children, innocent unborn children. It's not a child. It's a hoop. It's a, a hunk of, of of cellular debris. No, it's a child. Now we can say that um, a tree that's growing out of the ground is life. But we can't say that an unborn child is life. We call it a fetus. They call it a clump of cells. Yeah, they call it a clump of cells. It's not a clump of cells. A clump of cells by any person that took biology in middle school will tell you that it's alive. If if cells are growing, then that means there's life there. I'm going to tell you one thing. God ain't pleased. Nope. He's not pleased, and we better do what's right. Well, we better. Otherwise, the hammer is going to come down as if it's come if it's, as if it's not coming down already. What's up, Izzy? Okay, so uh, Dave, go ahead and close us out, bro. Uh, Shantae, I want to tell you uh, thanks for calling in again, and uh, we we always appreciate you calling. Uh, anybody else is on the phone um, or who wanted to call in? We just want to say thank you for supporting us and uh, check us out on Prophecy Watch uh, on Facebook. We have the Bible study group also, so check us out there. 
Uh, Dave, go ahead. Uh, pray us out, bro. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, be with the families that are represented here. Uh, be with the GT's family and Shantae's family. And uh, be with the other callers family, Lord. Just put, build a hedge of protection around them. And and thank you for um, just uh, giving us the opportunity to use these recordings to preach your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, so uh, Amen. check us out. Check us out next Friday. Uh uh should be I think what day is next Friday, the uh what day is next? Is it I'm trying to figure uh, out let me, let me check my, my calendar. It might be uh the fourth. I might not be able to do the show Friday. It's I'll fourth. probably have to just call in because we have uh battle assembly that weekend, but uh, the show must go on. So Friday, uh, check us out next Friday, and we're going to pick up where we left off here with the Austrian rape case and whatever else is going on uh, on that during that week. So, And uh, tell your friends all about it. Invite your friends to come and talk with us. Because this is Freestyle Friday, and, you know, we can go from one topic to another and uh, still be within the same zone. So, okay. uh, so I appreciate it, and uh, God bless, and good night. Likewise. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.